Hey everyone, I'm Brendan Hill, and this is Forward Thinking, a podcast by Metagy. Each week, I talk to inspirational business owners, brands, and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business. And this week, my very special guest is Cheryl Mack, who built Australia's largest startup and growth conference and now has the largest database of business connections in the country. Cheryl is definitely one of my favorite people in the Australian business ecosystem. We're on a startup advisory board together here in Sydney, and I can tell you from firsthand experience, she is an absolute marketing genius. And she drops a lot of genius-level value in today's episode too. And an interesting fact, this is also our podcast editor's favorite episode of all time, and he has now used many of Cheryl's tips to grow his own business and network. So a shout out to our editor, Juan Pablo in Colombia. In my conversation with Cheryl, we cover a wide range of topics, including how she built a highly targeted network of over 8,000 contacts, how to deal with self-doubt in your business, and why it's best to choose mentors for your business who are about 6 to 12 months ahead of you on your journey. Cheryl also tells a great story of when she met MC Hammer. Can't touch this. And the important lesson that he taught her about mastering nerves when presenting. So please enjoy this wide-ranging discussion with Cheryl Mack. Cheryl Mack, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) How did you get so many business connections? Can you tell me the story behind that? Yeah, so basically I built a business called StartCon for about four years here in Australia. And the main thing that uh, we were known for was creating the largest startup and growth conference in Australia uh, with about 4,000 attendees every year, Wow! as well as a pitch competition for uh, new businesses to pitch to investors and get funding. Mm. And through that, uh, we worked with a ton of partners in the tech ecosystem to bring their people to our conference, as well as uh, a lot of investors, including corporates as well, and the government. So I ended up being connected to wow. to quite a lot of areas within the, the ecosystem. And there's some rumors of how big your email database is. Are you at liberty to divulge how big it is? <laughs> My personal contact list is about 8,000. <sighs> Highly targeted as well. <laughs> that, that is impressive. So speaking about building a network, obviously really important for early stage businesses. So for people listening at home, they may have just kicked off their business. It may be an area that they have neglected in the past. How can these guys get started on building that network? Yeah, absolutely. So events are a huge portion of that. When you need to get your idea out there, you need to talk to people. You can start by going to events that have topics on things that you are particularly excited about or that make sense or are relevant for your business. And going there, talking to each person, talking to the speakers, talking to the organizers, Mm. that's a really great way to find out what the next step should be Mm. for you and your business. So events are a great way. Going on LinkedIn is another good way. You know, I don't necessarily recommend just going and adding every single person you find. But if you can find a couple of key people that are in your industry that you Mm. would really benefit from talking to, reaching out cold on LinkedIn is perfectly acceptable. And I do Mm. get quite a few of those myself. And I I do respond to the ones that make sense for me. So when you're reaching out to someone on LinkedIn, what kind of message should we be sending? (laughs) What, What kind of message do you respond to personally? Something that's relevant. 
there's no like secret sauce. Oh, oh, if you start your message with this or if you say this particular word, (laughs) there's no secret sauce there. The ones that are more relevant. So don't just reach out and say, hey, I want to connect because, you know, you sound cool. Tell me why you want to connect with me, why I would be interested in your business. But also in that first message, it needs to be like one sentence. So Mm. don't tell me in three paragraphs. Tell me in one sentence, hey, I noticed you're involved in uh, financial technology. I'm starting a financial business or a financial services business and would like to speak to you about how you grew your business. Mm. Done. Nice. And do you keep tracking some kind of CRM or your contacts or do you just put them in your email database? (laughs) How should we track all these people? Yeah, so I do use a couple CRMs actually. My kind of personal one I use is Contacts Plus. It's really good because it allows me to scan business cards. It uploads them automatically and it connects with my Gmail so I can pull directly as I'm sending emails. Mm. HubSpot is also a good CRM manager. But yeah, I also keep them like they... syncs with my Gmail contacts. So my Gmail contacts are always updated as well. And I do try to put notes in there that allows me to put tags so that I know that person's an investor, that person provides services. Uh, and I also try to update where I met that person as well so that yeah, I can remember nice. the relationship next time, mm. you know, with 8,000 people. Yeah, I'm going to say it's <laughs> definitely hard to keep in contact with all these people. So how do you leverage these people to uh, make our business a success? Yeah. So, you know, I mentor quite a few startups and I do like to check in with them every three months. And that's just a simple email. Other people I try to connect with once a year, generally, if they're just community friends, if I don't see them, then I'll make a point of just making sure I shoot them an email and say, hey, hope everything's going well. Mm -hmm. Is there anything I can help you with? That's one thing that actually I'll just stop and point out. One thing that I do that I think has been really instrumental for building my network is that I always ask every person I meet every time I meet them or see them, what can I do to help? How can I help Mm. you? And, you know, nine out of ten people don't take me up on it, but the ones that do, you know, I'm able to drive value back to them, which Mm. makes me, A, feel a lot less guilty when I need something from them. (laughs) And, you know, it it shares the love. And then the ones Mm. that don't know that I'm there. And that's super valuable because then, you know, I'm willing to help. And when I go back to them and ask for something, then it generally gets received very well. So that's one thing that I think anybody can utilize that. It's mm, definitely not lip service as well because the last time I saw you, you asked, how can I help? And I said, you can come on the podcast, Cheryl. Yeah, what exactly. What a fantastic idea. <laughs> so here we are. So I wanted to talk about the speakers. So you arranged some amazing speakers at StartCon when you were the CEO. So speakers from Uber, Pinterest, Atlassian. Are there any lessons that you learned from the speakers that really still stick with you today? Oh, yeah, tons. You know, one of my favorite ones is about running red lights. So one of the speaker talked about how, look, when you're young and you're early stage, it's okay to run a few red lights, as mm. in make some mistakes. But, you know, know, know which red lights are okay to run and which ones aren't. And also, if you do make a mistake, own up to it. And, mm. you know, it's okay. People are going to expect you to make mistakes, especially in the early stages. But if you do make one, it's best to own up to it. Don't lie about it. Yeah. Any others that stick out? I mean, there must be, we could do a whole podcast. <laughs> we could probably do a whole podcast uh, on this. I'll tell you my yeah. favorite one. So this was a little while ago, but I was at the Startup Grind Global Conference, and I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with MC Hammer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I asked him, you know, I was actually about to go on stage to do an intro, and there's a couple thousand people in the audience, and I said, hey, MC Hammer, uh, <laughs> you know, do you still get nervous before you go on stage? And he gave me the best answer. He goes, 
You know that nervous feeling you feel in, in your stomach before you go on stage? That is excitement. Own it. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that stuck awesome. with me. Yeah. So you do a lot of presenting as well. I mean, you spoke in front of thousands of people at StartCon. Yep. What tips can you give early stage business owners? I mean, every interaction they have is a pitch in some sense. People get nervous. Not everyone's MC Hammer. Uh, <laughs> what, what tips can you give these guys? Yeah. So the best tip that I can give you is know your story mm. and think of each piece of your story as a part of a larger story. And if you know the story, then you can tell the story. And I want to give you an example. So, you know, I do quite a bit of pitch coaching, and this is the example that I give. So Goldilocks and the Three Bears, right? Everybody kind of knows this story of Goldilocks. She goes into this house and she finds three bowls and one of them is too hot, one of them is too cold, one of them is just right. She does so with the beds as well, right? And so I just told you that story in one way, but I could also tell you that story and I could say, you know, Goldilocks comes in and she finds three bowls and one of them's too cold, one of them's too hot, one of them's just right. And so I switched those two. It doesn't actually matter whether I talked about the hot bowl first or the cold bowl second. And knowing the elements of your story, even if you get them mixed up, you can generally still create your story and continue to tell it in a way that makes sense. So the message here is don't memorize exactly which piece needs to come next, right. because if you get messed up, then you won't be able to continue. You'll need to start again. Mm. But if you know each of the pieces and a general sense of, okay, she needs to come in the door first before she gets into the bed, then you're telling your story is going to be a lot easier when you're in an elevator, when you're on stage. Mm. Try not to memorize. Just yeah. know the story that you're telling. And stories are great because, you know, everybody knows the story of Goldilocks and the Three yeah. Bears. I don't need to memorize that story because everybody mm. knows it. So think about just knowing your story, and that's mm. it. Oh, amazing advice. And can you tell me about the moment when you realized that you wanted to work with early-stage businesses and startups? What did that look like? So uh, the joke in my family is that I was born into it. Right. <laughs> my parents had their own company before startup was even a word. Wow. What so was that doing? They had a computer tech kind of oh, wow. business. So, oh, wow. Very yeah. cutting edge at the time. Yes, it was. It was back in the day when, um, you know, IBM was still just making computers. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I was born into it. I grew up with my parents building their own company. So I actually saw firsthand the highs and the lows and the pitfalls mm -hmm. and the scary moments when, you know, we couldn't afford to send me to ballet that week because... Wow. You know, but then other times we'd go on lavish holidays to Florida because, you know, granted, there's a whole story there, but my parents probably just weren't that great at cash flow. But, uh -huh. <laughs> um, you know, I saw that firsthand. Mm. And so when I graduated university, yeah. I basically just started working for startups right away. And wow, I started, straight into it. Yeah, I I did get offered a couple brand manager positions, which were the, uh, you know, the hot job of the moment when I was graduating. Right. And uh, decided that I did not want to be brand manager of L'Oreal's mascara number mm. 802 <laughs> of their 8,000 products, which, you know, yeah. no offense to them, but yeah. that was my decision. Interesting. And it's come up a lot recently. A lot of podcast guests are talking about the lessons that they've learned from their parents that have had businesses or haven't. I mean, what sort of skills did you pick up from observing your parents mm -hmm. running this cutting edge computer company? 
you know, I hate to say it, but I probably got my work ethic from them. Right. Um, I spent a lot of time in the office as a kid, which I didn't mind. Mm -hmm. But looking back, you know, my parents were probably a bit of workaholics. And I can say during my time at StartCon, I was definitely a workaholic. You know, I'm maybe I'm in recovery now, (laughs) but I probably picked that one up from them. Mm. But I also picked up a sense of taking care of your employees I think my parents were really good to their employees, other than, you know, when they tried to hoist me off as a baby to them sometimes. <laughs> but I think that that was something that I saw them do that I think is really, really valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think I didn't even quite grasp that until I had to build a team of my own. So, yeah, I think that that's another one. Yeah, interesting. So early stage businesses, a lot to do, as you said. You're at StartCon, a lot of different responsibilities. How do you balance that? How did you get time for founder wellness? Ah, look, I'll be honest, I didn't. <laughs> I Look, yeah, I'll be totally honest. I, I wasn't particularly good at that when I was at StarCon. I'm, I'm better now. You know, I'm still in a GM role. So, you know, I, I have learned from my mistakes. Mm. Uh, but look, I would have to say like that wellness as a business owner is actually a really important piece because if you burn out, then mm. your business has no chance. Yeah. And so like, even if it does take like, look, I need to take a half day off to have a mental wellness day. Mm. It doesn't matter if things are on fire. Like, you know, you may think something is on fire, but very rarely does it really, really need to be addressed right, right now. Yeah. There are almost a hundred percent chance that you could put that off by at least half a day mm. if you need to take the time because it's just going to be better off for you and your business in the long run. Any other small examples besides the mental mental health wellness day that you're implementing at the moment? In terms of... In terms of wellness, you know, any exercise or cold showers is one that I'm hearing a lot lately. Oh, man, everyone loves the cold, the cold and the ice. Yeah, like, I don't know what's going on with bath. that. Look, I definitely saw a workshop on the ice bath when I was in L.A. last year, yeah. and I... Cannot recommend it, but I think meditation, mindfulness mm. is a really big one. If you don't know what mindfulness is, I would highly recommend Googling that and just exploring it a little bit. Headspace is a great app for that. I personally, I always thought meditation was this idea that you had to sit alone mm. in a room and clear your mind. And when I started to talk to people about what mindfulness was, which is kind of what I thought meditation was, I realized that that's really not what it is and that there are a lot of mindfulness techniques that just help you, you know, get over obstacles that are present in your mind. And they're really, really simple techniques. Some of them are just as simple as putting both of your feet on the ground and remembering and feeling that you're touching the ground and that you are here, Mm. you are present, you can do this. I just did one right now. They're really simple ones, and and they help Mm -hmm. you feel grounded and help you feel confident to continue, especially in those moments when you get that email from that customer that you thought was going to come through, you know, as a million-dollar deal, and it falls through. Mm -hmm. You know, those are moments where you feel that anxiety, and you might feel like your world is collapsing because your business might be, you know, not cash flow positive because that one client didn't come in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, look, as a founder or a business owner, I would highly recommend looking up mindfulness. Yeah, definitely. We'll put Headspace and all the other resources that Cheryl mentions in the show notes that you can find at metagy.com forward slash podcast. So while we're on the topic of tools and resources, are there any marketing tools that you've used in the last year, you know, maybe around that $100 mark that have made a significant impact? 
Yeah, look, I'm going to mention one that maybe doesn't quite fit with your definition here, but I've recently gotten on to a newer email client that's called Superhuman. Right. It's a Gmail alternative, so it's not like a autopilot or a campaign monitor alternative. It actually helps you manage your Gmail better. Okay. And this is a really cool tool. They've essentially sped up email. Like, I spend a lot of time in my email, Mm. and they have sped up the process of just spending three, four, or five hours a day in email. And they've allowed me to actually keep up with my contacts a lot better. So that's one I will mention. There's another one. I think they're called Referral Hero now. That They used to be called Mater. And essentially, they allowed you to create like a wait list for your product. And this is a strategy that I've seen working a lot more and more uh, recently where people have created like wait lists. So you can't mm. just come and buy my product. You have to join a wait list, yeah. um, which is funny enough what Superhuman did. Uh, oh, really? So tip, you can't just go and join Superhuman. If you want to join mm. Superhuman, you have to come through someone like me who already is using it. Yeah, Brilliant nice. stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good one. We had Anna Cheng who used to work at Spaceship and they yeah. had a similar tactic. You know, they had different cohorts on different mm-hmm. wait lists, played them against each other to try and get them higher up the list. Uh, yeah, really successful tactic. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a big reader, Cheryl? I am, yes. I do read quite a few business books. Oh, I nice. enjoy the ones that are more like stories. Mm. Uh, so actually, some of my favorite ones are by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Uh, he's a great author. All of his books, Blink, pa- Tipping Point. Canadian Patriot, like yourself. Yes, yes. actually. Oh. Yes, exactly. But you know, look, there's a couple of business books that I would recommend everyone reads. Four Steps to the Epiphany. Steve Blank from Steve Blank. It's an older book, but Mm. still 100% relevant. Um, The Lean Startup, high output management for anyone who needs to build or manage a team, that completely changed my understanding of how to be a good manager. Right. So yeah, high output management by Andy Grove. From Good to Great, that's another really good one. And then some more interesting ones. Recently, I I read Bad Blood, one of my favorite, favorite stories. Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny Balwani. You just can't get enough of it. So, yeah, yeah, I I read Bad Blood. That was a great book. Did you watch Um, the documentary, The HBO? I did, yes, yes. Out for Blood, right? Yeah. I would also recommend a book called Chaos Monkeys. That's a good one. He talked at StarCon. He spoke at StarCon. Yeah, it was a really good book. And I also love the Freakonomics books. Mm-hmm. And do you listen to their podcasts? I don't listen to their podcasts, no. That's good. I should. Yes, you should. Yes. <laughs> After you listen to this podcast, yes, of course. exactly. I wanted to ask you what your struggles are. What's in your current business black box? What problems are you trying to solve? You know, I feel like I am constantly trying to solve the hiring problem. Mm. One of the most difficult It problems. is one of the most difficult ones. I feel mm. like I'm constantly hiring and it's just, it is very difficult. And I've rushed into it. Mm. I've held back. I've screwed up a lot of things when it comes to hiring. And I've realized that getting the hiring part right is really, really important. Yeah. So that's always a struggle. Another one is data. Always managing data and getting making sense out of data is a problem that I am always struggling with. Yeah, so many data sources. So as many well. data sources, so many ways to interpret data. So much time is spent in trying to figure out the data that we have. And we yeah. have a lot of it, right? which is great. It's a great problem to have, I guess. But, mm. you know, that's probably why there are so many tools out there. Yeah, that's right. And what, what has you most fired up and excited about marketing in 2019? Ooh, you know, I think we're going to see the next generation of growth marketing hacks. Right. Uh, You know, there's 
every couple of years or so, you see this kind of new thing coming out that mm. it's like, oh, that, right? So, you know, back, I don't know, in the 90s, it was Hotmail putting this was sent through Hotmail at the <laughs> bottom of every single email. You know how fast mm. that thing caught on? Yeah. Then it was, was it Airbnb going onto Craigslist and mm. just, or Gumtree for you guys, and stealing all of their customers that way. Yeah. Super easy, you know? And then you saw the referrals. Give $20, get $20. Like yeah. that has just exploded. It still works somewhat, but I think much less so, right? Yeah. I would even take a gamble and say that the next thing is right that we're going through right now is probably this wait list type thing. Yeah, true. That's the marketing tactic of the moment that is working really, really well. But I think it'll probably phase out because. Once something is overused, mm. people get desensitized to it. And so somebody needs to come up with the next thing that works. Yeah, true. And you mentioned that you mentor a lot of startups. Who are your mentors and why are mentors so important? <laughs> mentors are really, really important. They're the people that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can share your business's deepest, darkest secrets Right. Like, you know, you're, you're not out there tweeting on social about how you're going to have to shut down tomorrow if your if that customer doesn't come through with their invoice or something. Right. Yeah. But your mentors are the ones that you can share those with. So, look, yeah, I do mentor quite a few. My mentors, I won't name them by name, but, you know, they're they're not high profile people. They're regular people. For the most part, if you're going to choose a mentor, a mentor would be somebody that you feel is six months to a year ahead of you right? because you don't want them too far ahead because then they mm. won't understand what space that you're in. So somebody that has, and you know, there's flexibility there, but you want them to be just past where you are currently so that they can still relate. They can help you get through that. So a lot of my mentors are actually almost my peers. I mean, there's debate as to who's ahead in what sense, right? Yeah. So yeah, I don't think that you should be trying to get a mentor that's, you know, Elon Musk or somebody, right? Like yeah. your mentor should be your peers. And oftentimes some of my mentor situations go back and forth as well. Right, you know, yeah. it's people that you can share your experiences with and get advice on how you're feeling. And oftentimes it's just a bit of confidence boost. Like half the conversations I have with the founders I mentor are around giving them that confidence boost to take mm. the next step. Yeah, six months ahead. That's interesting. I haven't heard of that before. <laughs> Very interesting. And what advice would you give a 20-year-old Cheryl Mack? Hmm. 20-year-old. Let me think. Where was I when I was 20? I think I would have been just graduating university. I don't know, invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. At one cent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I did. I actually did try to buy some Bitcoin. I sent oh, really? $20 to Nigeria and it disappeared. Disappeared? Yeah. yeah it was somewhere. I, I sent into the um, internet scape. Look, uh, confidence you know, I think there's been a lot of self-doubt and, you know, a lot of people probably look at me and say, oh, you know, you're so confident. And I'm mm. like, yeah, I'm, you know, I might look it, but, you know, most people I think are probably feeling similar to me and that there's a lot of self-doubt, you know, yeah. can I actually do this? And the answer 99% of the time is, yeah, you can. Mm. So I think if I could talk to 20-year-old Cheryl and tell her, like, look, have the confidence to go and, and do what you're doing because, all that self-doubt, it mm. didn't really, like looking back, all that self-doubt didn't accomplish anything. It yeah. probably just made my journey slightly harder. I think choosing the right people to work with and not just the ones that you hire, but in general, like who you choose to work with in terms of partnerships or companies that you work for, choose 
people over anything else. If the role sounds amazing, but you're not confident on the boss or the person or even the company, like follow your gut. If the deal sounds great and, you know, that customer is going to bring you a million dollars in business, but he seems like a jerk and, you know, you're not getting a good feeling from him, don't work with him. The money's Mm -hmm. not worth it because I'm telling you out of experience, it doesn't work out in the end. Yeah. So choose the right people to work with. Amazing advice. So Cheryl, thanks for all the value that you've dropped today to the audience. You have made it through to the abstract question section of the podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> so we have a couple of abstract questions that we like to ask a all couple. of our guests. Yeah, I'm slipping you... in some surprise questions oh, in here he, as well. For all of you listeners out there, he told me there would be one abstract <laughs> question. So We do have one that we ask all of our guests okay. that we will close with. I've got a couple more here. That could be interesting. So question number one, if you could have a billboard that all business owners could see, you could have text, visuals, whatever you want, where would you put it and what would it say? Ooh, where would I put it? All business owners. All business owners in Australia? Oh, if it's on the moon, I imagine everyone would see it. Yeah, like I'm thinking mm. like satellite in orbit, mm. you know? Interesting. Or like one of those blimps that flies around. A blimp. You know? That's a good answer. Yeah, a those things I feel like fly. blimps uh, went out of fashion for a while. No, but like, you know, you're sitting on the beach on a Saturday <laughs> yeah. and the thing flies by with the banner. Yeah. You know, that that could cover know. the whole world if you really, yeah. you know, if you gave it enough gas. <laughs> so maybe something like that, something yes. that flies and rotates around the earth. Mm-hmm. And what would it say to all business owners? Man, oh, this is a tricky one. Mm. You know, good advice that I can fit on mm, tagline. Yes. I mean, like I could be coming up with my tagline right now. Something like super positive, I think, honestly. Mm. Like you're going to make it one day. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's like the 20-year-old Cheryl advice. Yeah. You you're know? going to make it. I like it. <laughs> I like to be positive, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of negative stuff in the world. Mm. Call me an optimist, but you know. Yeah, I like it. What is the moment in business history that you would like to witness in person? You know, I genuinely hope by the time I have a child and that child needs to learn to drive, Mm. that driving will be a thing of the past because here's my secret. I'm a terrible driver. (laughs) I have zero desire to teach my child how to drive. So driverless cards kind of need to be a thing by the time I have a kid and that kid needs to drive. Mm. That's what I need to witness. Awesome. Like not just wanting to witness, like it's mm. a real necessity that this happens in my lifetime. Well, we're not too far away, hopefully. I hope so. You know, they keep saying in the next five years, but I think they've been saying that for the last five years. Yeah, I think I saw a talk at Google with Astro Teller in Sydney five years ago <laughs> and he said it would be here by now. But yeah, super exciting yeah. space. I think the most exciting thing, they're going to get rid of all the car parks and turn those into green spaces. That'd be excellent. Yeah. So there's definitely... Yeah, because you wouldn't need to park your car anywhere because it could just drive around for hours. That's it. great. On demand. Well, you're killing the uh, abstract question section of the podcast. I might throw in one more. (laughs) What algorithm are you? What algorithm am mm, I? What algorithm? Like an MC equals. No, like are you are you the Amazon <laughs> algorithm? Are you the Spotify algorithm? And why? Oh, those algorithms. Mm. What were you gonna say, MC? <laughs> you know, E equals MC squared. <laughs> like, I guess that's that a abstract. that's a formula. Mm. I don't know. You thought yeah. we were going abstract there. Uh, okay, 
I'm going to have to go with Google. Mm. And here's why. Because mm. I tend to know a lot of random things mm. about a lot. Like, I am your generalist at heart. Like, mm. you ask me about anything, and I can probably give you, like, a general overview of that particular thing. Mm. Like, you know, like Google does. When you search something, it can yeah. give you a general kind of little snippet answer at the top. Mm. So, I would, yeah, I'd have to say Google. Mm. And you're good with collecting data as well. I am good with 8, collecting data as emails. well. emails. Very nice. So, Cheryl, thanks so much for coming in today. I know you're super busy. There's one final question that we like to ask before I let you go. Are you ready for launch? I am ready for launch. Because you're on the first flight to Mars with Elon Musk and the first settlers aboard the SpaceX Starship rocket. So what business do you start when you land on Mars and how do you market it to the new Martians? So I would start a business that sells a mini pocket Earth. And this is a miniature Earth that you can keep in your pocket Mm. to remind you of the place that you came from. Or if you're a new alien on Mars, to help you visualize the Earth you may one day visit. Mm. And, you know, it'd be a little miniature version of Earth, maybe about the kind of palm of your hand that you could put in your pocket and uh, it would have some sort of mechanic that when you hold it in your palm, it would spin in, Mm. you know, the way that earth does so that, um, yeah, I think we would market it as, uh, you know, keep a little piece of earth in your pocket. You can't see earth anymore. So now you can. A true marketing answer. I love it. (laughs) So Cheryl, thanks so much for coming on today. You can find all of Cheryl's resources in the show notes at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And before we wrap up, Cheryl, is there anything you'd like to say and how can people get in touch? Yes. Look, I think starting a business is hard, but it's super rewarding. And on the days that it feels like it's not going great, remember why you started your business in the first place and capture that moment to revisit it every time you might feel like it's not going your way. That's the one last thing I will say because a lot of amazing people have built businesses by surviving and thriving. Yeah. And how can you get in touch with me? LinkedIn's a good way, although I'm not particularly great at uh, LinkedIn messages. But once you connect with me, my email is available. So um, you can find me linkedin.com slash Cheryl Mack. Super easy. My oh, full awesome. name. And other than that, you can also find me on Twitter. It is CMAC, the number four life. So C-M-A-C-K, <laughs> number four life. CMAC for life. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming in, Cheryl. It's been fun. <laughs> Thank you. From Metagy, this is the Forward Thinking Podcast. I hope you got a lot of value and actionable tips from today's episode. If you like what you heard, you can help us out by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. If you know a business owner who needs help with their marketing, and I mean, don't we all know one of those guys, tell them to check us out. Never miss another episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more about Metagy and get a listener-exclusive three-month free trial, visit us at metagy.com forward slash podcast. You can also view all of the resources and tools mentioned in this episode at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, why not listen to some other episodes and join the world's leading community of forward-thinking marketers. I'm Brendan Hill, your first business connection, and I'll catch you next week for another award-winning episode of the Forward Thinking Podcast.